0: we hope that that's been a helpful time of being able to reflect on the reality that we are loved and chosen by God. We're going to unpack that a little bit more as we go through today's message. But as we jump in, I want us to just take a bit of time to think back over the last few months and to recognize some of the really good things that have come out of this season that we've been through. As we get ready to restart our in-person gatherings, there's a lot of good that we take with us as we head into that. I know I've been super encouraged about the recognition for us about how important relationships are within our church family. I think this has been a great time of us recognising that our faith, our following Jesus, is not just about our personal spirituality and our relationship with God. but that There is something really significant about us being able to do this together. And I've been very encouraged about the ways in which I've seen those connections happen between people right across our church family. And as we start up again, it's going to be really exciting to see all of that come back together. I think it's been really great to see the ways in which people have taken ownership of their own spiritual journey through these last few months while we haven't been able to be together. And in particular, I've been really encouraged about the stories that I've heard of people who started reading their Bibles for the very first time, or people who've recommitted to reading their Bibles, or people who have increased their time that they've spent in prayer, hanging out with God or even just taking more time to slow down and to reflect. I think those things have been really good habits that we've been able to form that we can hopefully carry forward into this next season that's ahead of us. It's been a great reminder that God is with us all the time. Sometimes we can fall into the trap of thinking, well, God's with us when we're together on a Sunday, but then we kind of forget about it through the rest of the week. This season has reminded us that, no, actually God's with us all the time and that any time is a great time to spend time with God. That God is passionate about our personal lives. God's passionate about our family lives, about our relationships. God's passionate about our workplaces, the connections that we have, the friendships that we have. It's been a good reminder that God is present in all of those different moments throughout the week, not just when we gather together. And I think it's also been a great reminder that we actually don't have to get together in order for us to be a church. Now, we love the idea of being able to get together, and I know that we're all really excited about being able to gather, but I think this has reminded us that it's not actually something that's absolutely crucial that we come together and we do a certain set of things every single week. It doesn't mean that we just throw it all away, but it means that as we re-engage, we can re-engage with a sense of excitement and passion and being excited about the fact this is something we get to do, something we want to do, not something that we just have to do out of a sense of obligation, and so I think that there's been some really deep stuff that God has done in our lives, and I'm excited about what it looks like to take those things forward into where we're heading in the weeks and months ahead. We talked about this very, very early on when we first went into lockdown. What would it look like for us to use this as a season where God can do some deep work in our lives, and that we can actually emerge from this stronger individually and collectively as a church? And I genuinely believe that that's what's happened. And so I hope that you are also excited about what's ahead of us as we take all of the good that's come out of this season into the journey that's ahead of us. And one of the things that has been a part of the reality of the last few months is that some of us at different times have changed our clothing. So I know that there are some of you who've really enjoyed the opportunity to be able to participate in our online services wearing track pants or wearing your pyjamas and that's been great to be able to be nice and comfortable and certainly in the early days of lockdown I think a lot of us wore a lot more casual clothes, a lot more track pants being worn, a lot more kind of jumpers being worn and Ugg boots and just kind of hanging out at home. But as we have come out of that and as we're starting to re-engage and as things reopen up we recognise that we have to put some stuff back on. And in some ways, it's a bit of a relief to put some jeans back on for the first time or to put on a shirt for the first time or to put on a jacket and go out. Some of those things have actually been really, really good for us. And it's a really helpful picture for us to hold on to that as we re-engage and as we restart things and as we head into this next season, there's some items of clothing that Paul talks about that are spiritual garments that we can put on that are a part of our identity of being people who follow Jesus. And so this passage that we're looking at today from Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 to 17 unpacks what those look like. And so I want to encourage you to open your Bibles up to Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17, or uh, open that up in the app on your phone, or if you uh, want to go to the tab just over to the side there, you can open that up in the Bible tab. Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17. And we're going to make our way through this uh, over the next little while and unpack what Paul says are the garments for us to put on as we live out our lives following Jesus. Paul starts this passage with a very, very profound statement. He says, "'Since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves.'" "'Since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves.'" This is massively profound, a half a sentence that has so much that's packed into it, particularly about who we are, about our identity, about the way that God sees us. And so there are three specific characteristics that are named there. We're chosen, we're holy, which means we're set apart, and we are loved. So as we think about our identity, these are the things that God says are true about us, that we are chosen, We're chosen to be a part of his family. And Ephesians tells us that actually that decision was made before the creation of the world, which is really staggering when you think about it. Before we had the chance to prove ourselves or do anything, God chose us and said, I want you to be a part of my family. And there's something really significant that happens to our, our identity when someone chooses us. Think about times throughout your life when you've been chosen could be that you were chosen as the captain of a sporting team, or chosen as a school captain or a student representative. Could be a time when you were chosen for a promotion, or chosen to be given an opportunity in a job. Could be a time when you were chosen relationally for a friendship, or for a marriage, or any number of other things. Think about a moment when you were chosen. There's something really significant that happens when someone else says, I want you. And that's true in terms of how God feels about us. Like God looked at us and said, I want you to be a part of my family. We're chosen. We're chosen, though, to be set apart, Paul says, to be holy. And when we think about holiness, sometimes we can think it's about being perfect. But in actual fact, the word holy is about being set apart for God's purposes, being able to be dedicated to what God has for us. And so a helpful way of thinking about this is to say that God looks at us and chooses us to say, I have work for you to do. I have created you uniquely with gifts and talents, passions, abilities that have a role to play in the work that I'm doing in the world. We've been set apart for God's purposes, which is really, really amazing. But then Paul takes that even further and says, not only are those two things true, but we're also loved. And we know the difference that that makes in our lives as well. That when we know that someone loves us, you think about a close friend or a family member, when we know that we're loved, there's a sense of courage that that gives us, a sense of strength, a sense of security that we have. And what's even more profound about God's love for us is that we know that it's unconditional. It's not based on whether we succeed or whether we fail. It's not based on what we do. God loves us, end of story, unconditionally. And so those are the three things that God says are true about each one of us. Those are the three things that God says are true about you right now in this moment. Chosen, set apart, and loved. It's really, really amazing when we recognise that's the core of our identity. The challenge for us is that often we allow our identity to be shaped by other things. I know for me that's a big challenge. I often struggle with my identity being wrapped up in what I can achieve, which also means that my identity is often wrapped up in my failures and what I don't achieve. Our identity can be wrapped up in how we look. Our identity can be wrapped up in what other people think of us. We can allow a lot of other things to be the core of who we are. Paul challenges us to say, no, 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 the core of who you are is someone who's chosen, who's set apart, and who is loved by God. So I want to give us a moment just to reflect on that. Take a couple of moments, and if you're with other people, feel free to share some of your thoughts. What are the words that you would use to describe the core of who you are? What are the things that you would say often shape your sense of identity? Take a couple of moments to share that and then we'll come back together. So as we understand what our identity is, that we are people who are chosen, who are set apart and who are loved, Paul then says that there's this really great list of all of these items of clothing that we can put on that reflect our sense of identity. And that's important for us to hold on to as we work through this, because sometimes when we put clothes on, we can think about the idea of kind of putting on an act. So if we go to a job interview or if we go to a party where we're trying to impress people, we can kind of put some clothes on that maybe aren't necessarily the clothes that we would like to wear, but we wear them because we're trying to impress others. At other times, we put clothes on because they're a genuine reflection of who we are. They're clothes that we feel really, really comfortable in that represent our identity where we know that we're not putting on an act at all. And so when Paul talks about these characteristics that we're about to work through, he's talking about that second idea, that these are things that are just a genuine expression of our identity, of who we are. They're not things that we feel like we have to put on because we're trying to impress God or we're trying to impress other people. They're things that flow out of a genuine expression of living out, being people who are chosen, set apart, and loved. So as we go through this list, I want to encourage you to take some time to think about which of these feel comfortable, which are the garments that you would say, yeah, those are things that I love to put on and I feel comfortable when I'm wearing them, and which of them are maybe a little bit tight-fitting Or maybe I struggle a little bit to get those put on. Or maybe I've actually forgotten even where I put that garment. It's kind of fallen down the rotation in the closet a little bit, and I'm not sure exactly where it is. As we go through this list, take some time to be thinking about that. And after we've been through the list, we're going to unpack that a bit together. So Paul starts in the rest of verse 12 by talking about the first garment, which is tender-hearted mercy. When we talk about this, we're really talking about having a heart for compassion. What that means is that my heart is so moved when I see the plight of someone else or the situation that someone else is in that I can't help but act. This is different to pity, where I look at someone and say, oh, that's really hard. I'm sorry that that's happening for you. That must be really awful. It's a sense where as I look at other people, I want to care for them. I want to offer my support to them, given what it is that they're going through. And when we think about tender-hearted mercy, the best example of this is Mother Teresa, Just a beautiful woman who displayed tender-hearted mercy in all of the interactions that she had. A heart that was so moved by the plight of other people that she couldn't help but act. So tender-hearted mercy is the first item of clothing. The second one then is kindness. When we think about kindness, we think about doing acts of kindness. We think about doing good things for other people. When I was reading about this this week, one of the helpful understandings of this that I read was goodness for the well-being of others. Goodness for the well-being of others. Doing good things for other people that are all about helping them to thrive and to experience life the way that it's supposed to be. Paul then talks about humility. And the root of the word humility is the word humus, which is the word that we get earth from. And so when we think about humility, we're really talking about someone who's down to earth. And humility is about us not seeing ourselves as better than anyone else, but also about not seeing ourselves as worse than anyone else. When we think about humility, this is one of those times when we really do come back to the core of our identity. That if I understand that I'm chosen and that I'm loved and that I'm set apart for God's purposes... And that automatically means that I'm not worse than anyone else. There's a sense of dignity that comes from that. But I'm also not better than anyone else because as much as that's true for me, that's true for you as well. and That's true for everybody. And So I don't need to prove myself and show that I'm better than anyone else, but also don't need to put myself down. That sense of security that comes from my identity allows me to be down to earth, to be grounded and to have a sense of humility. Paul then talks about, the next garment, being gentleness. And we've talked often about gentleness being strength under control, which I think is really, really helpful. Gentleness sometimes we can think of as being kind of weak, where gentleness means that we allow everyone to walk all over us. But when we think about strength under control, it's saying, no, I know who I am. I know who God is. And therefore, it's appropriate for me at times to say no to things or to push back on different things. But gentleness means that I do that in a way that's appropriate, where I don't feel like I have to control anyone else, I don't have to push back in a way that's trying to be overtly strong. I'm confident in who I am, and I'm able to have a sense of strength, but to keep that under control. The next garment that Paul talks about is patience. And I know for lots of us, our patience has really been tested over these last few months. And one of the definitions I read about patience this week is this. Patience is the refusal to be daunted by hard times and the refusal to be upset by difficult people. The refusal to be daunted by hard times and the refusal to be upset by difficult people. I think that's really, really helpful. That patience is about saying that when hard times come my way, they're not going to overwhelm me. They're not going to frustrate me. And when people don't react the way that I want them to or don't do the things that I want them to do, I'm not going to be upset about that. That's what patience looks like, being able to persevere and push through those things even when everything's not going the way that I would like it to go. Next, Paul talks about making allowance for other people. This is really about saying, do I give other people the benefit of the doubt? Whenever I make a mistake, I know that I hope that other people will give me the benefit of the doubt that it was just a mistake. Do I make allowance for that in other people's lives or do I expect them to be perfect and not have any margin or any room whatsoever to make any mistakes? And Paul follows that up directly by then saying that we're people who should also put on the garment of forgiveness, that we should forgive in the way that we have been forgiven. And again, this is where it's helpful to recognise if Jesus has forgiven me for all of the times that I'm selfish, for all of the self-centred decisions that I make, for all of the times that I get it wrong, for all the times that not just my actions but my thoughts and my motives are off from what God's best is, if Jesus has extended that to me, why would I not want to extend that to other people? I can offer forgiveness to others as I make allowance for their mistakes because I recognise what's been given to me. And then finally, Paul says that the biggest, most important garment for us to put on, the one that ties everything together is love and that's really really helpful for us because when we think about love and we've talked often about the idea of saying what's the most loving thing to do in any situation when we adopt that mindset and say am I allowing love to have the final say am I allowing love to be the thing that ties it all together if love is my choice and my priority all of these other things actually flow very very naturally out of that that I am someone who can be more patient. I am someone who can be more forgiving. I am someone who practices a greater level of gentleness. I have a greater sense of humility in my life. I want to do kind things for other people. I want to be there for other people. All of those things are true when we have love at the core and the centre of who we are. Paul then continues on and he says that, Another garment we can put on is to let the peace of Jesus reign in our lives. And this is a great question for us to wrestle with as well. Am I a person of peace? And in particular, the original language of this is talking about in a sporting context when it talks about the idea of letting the peace of Jesus reign in our lives. It's like kind of going to the third umpire and saying, we've got to throw this up for review and that will be the final decision that gets made we talk about letting the peace of Jesus reign, we're saying, ultimately, as I make any choice, as I think about my interactions with other people, is this something that's going to produce more peace in my life or less? Is this something that's going to produce more peace in this person's life or less? And when we talk about peace, we're talking about life the way that God created us to live. Is a choice that I'm about to make, the thing that I'm about to do, going to allow someone to experience more of God's life or less? That's what it means to allow the peace of Jesus to reign. Another garment that Paul talks about is being thankful. We know the importance of gratitude that really shifts our perspectives. I've mentioned before that for me, one of my practices every day when I do some journaling is to take some time to start by uh, recognizing some of the things that I'm grateful for. I don't jump straight in with all the things that are on my mind or the things I'm feeling stressed about or frustrated about or what's coming up that day. I want to begin by saying, God, thank you for all of the good things that I have in my life. Thank you for all the good things that happened yesterday. And when I do that, it really shifts my perspective and shifts the way that I think about things, which then changes the whole tone of the time that I spend with God. So being thankful is a really important garment for us to put on. And then in verse 16, Paul says this really important phrase. He says, let the, pe- the message about Christ in all its richness, fill your lives. Let the message about Christ, in all its fullness, fill your lives. So break that apart. First of all, Paul says, let the message about Jesus, which is really saying, understand the core of who Jesus is and why Jesus came. Now, Jesus came to show us what God is like, to help us understand who God is. Jesus came to give us an ability to be able to experience God's love in a tangible way and to see what love looks like when it's lived out. That Jesus came to give us the ability to be people who are set apart, who are chosen, who are loved, who are forgiven. And that Jesus comes to give us the opportunity to live out that sense of purpose and peace that God has got for us. So the message about Jesus is tying all those things together, recognizing that Jesus came to teach and to live out what it means for us to understand God, understand ourselves and live out of that center. So Paul says, let the message about Jesus, the core of why Jesus came, fill your lives, which means to allow that to abundantly, without limits, fill us to the ultimate fullness and to fill all of our lives in that context, which in other translations talks about making its home within us or about setting itself up permanently or dwelling within us. This is helpful when we think about the language. Sometimes when we invite people over, we say, make yourself at home. But we don't really mean it. (laughs) We mean make yourself comfortable, but we don't mean go through all of my drawers. We don't mean look around carefully and just check that the place is in good order. We don't mean feel free to look around anywhere that you like. We mean just make yourself comfortable in this part, and I hope that you feel at home. Sometimes we can think about that in terms of the message of Jesus, that we say, well, I'll let the message of Jesus make me feel comfortable, but I won't let it look around too much, won't let it peek in my drawers or have a careful look at what's going on in the rest of my life. But Paul's really challenging us to say that's what you should do, is let the message about Jesus penetrate every area of your life, every part of who you are, and genuinely set up home within you. I know that that's a really, really long list. There's lots and lots of things and lots and lots of garments. And again, we can feel a bit overwhelmed with that because it's like, oh, man, so I'm supposed to live all of these things out. But that's what we said at the start. This isn't about us trying to impress God or impress other people because we can tick the box on all these things, but saying these are expressions of our identity as people who are chosen, set apart and loved. So I want us to take some time now to be able to say, okay, well, out of those, which of those are feeling pretty good right now? Which of those do I think are a good expression of my journey with Jesus and where I'm at? They do feel comfortable to put on. And which of those maybe don't feel so comfortable? Which of those, again, I've kind of lost them. They're somewhere at the back in the drawer there and I'm not sure the last time that I'll put it on. Which ones am I feeling good about? Which ones am I feeling challenged about? The list will be up on the screen. Take a bit of time just to look that through. Take a bit of time to talk about that with each other and then we'll come back. Paul wraps up this passage by giving us some advice about what it looks like to live these things out together. In verse 16, the second half of it, Paul says that we should teach and counsel one another. And so this is a great reminder again, that this isn't just about each of us putting on the clothing of Jesus in our own lives, but that we're supposed to engage with each other around that. And that's what we've talked about over these last few months. And that's what we keep talking about as we launch into the second half of this year. And that's about more than just being in one place at one time where one person is talking or leading us. That's about being able to say, what am I learning and what am I processing? And so the connect groups that we're trying to get started in the next little while, groups of between three and eight to 10, are really an opportunity for us to live this out, to be able to come together and say, where am I experiencing God's peace? What's getting in the way of me experiencing God's peace? What am I learning and processing as I participate in our Sunday gatherings, as I read our reading plan? What are the things that I'm sensing that God's challenging me about? It's an opportunity for us to teach one another as we talk about the things that we're learning, but also to counsel one another, to challenge each other, to encourage each other, to cheer each other on. And that's something that's far more than just the times that we get together on Sundays. It's something that we can do throughout the week in connection with each other. Paul then says that we should also take time to sing psalms and spiritual songs. And so this is something we're really looking forward to doing when we gather back together. But again, we don't want to forget that we can do those things separately as well as we bring that into our core experience. But this is really about celebrating who God is and the fact that when we come together, we have an opportunity that corporately should be an expression of what we've been celebrating throughout the week. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to take a bit of time to dig into a couple of psalms in our DIY at-home services and to be able to really look at that and think about what that means for us. But we want to, throughout the week, take time to celebrate God and then bring that into our expressions when we're together. And then lastly, Paul signs off with this amazing challenge for us to be Jesus' representatives. And a helpful way of thinking about what this looks like is to recognise that we can see these things kind of like putting on Jesus' uniform. If you've ever worked in an organisation where you had to wear a uniform, you would understand that when you're wearing that uniform, even when you're not at work, you're still a representative of that company. And so as other people look at you, they see that company being embodied. And what you do and what you say and how you act reflects on that company, When we talk about being representatives of Jesus, this is kind of a helpful way of thinking about it. These things are the uniform that help other people to see what Jesus is like. They help us to represent him well. And so that's a helpful reminder that all of these things are not just for our benefit, but also so that we can help other people to understand who Jesus is and what Jesus is all about. And so as I tie all of this together and as I think about couple of weeks time when we start to gather back together and as I think about the second half of this year and beyond, it's a real sense of excitement about what that looks like. I'm really excited and we've used this language as we've been processing things as a board to say what does it look like for me to adopt the mindset of seeing us effectively planting a church in the second half of this year. To imagine that we've been given this amazing building, this amazing facility at Brooklyn Park, that we've got this amazing church family that we're a part of To be able to think about how passionate and excited and how much we'd be looking forward to the sense of planting a church together in the second half of this year. That's the mindset that we want to adopt as we head into a few weeks' time and beyond. And to be able to say, what does it look like to take all of these things that we've talked about today and to live those things out together, to be wearing Jesus' uniform together, to be Jesus' representatives to the community around us together to have a sense of knowing our identity as people who are chosen and set apart and loved individually but collectively as well, to be people who are encouraging each other to put on these garments on a regular basis, to be able to learn from and strengthen and encourage each other. I'm so hopeful and excited about what that can look like as we head into the second half of this year, and I hope that you are too. So we're going to wrap up our time by participating in Communion. And so, hopefully, you've got your elements, your bread or your crackers and your juice or your wine. And we're going to use this as an opportunity to recognize that all of this joins together everything that we've been talking about today. And as we gather around this opportunity to reflect on these elements, we remind ourselves that we are God's chosen holy people because of what Jesus has done for us. That we are chosen and accepted into God's family, that we're set apart for God's purposes because of what Jesus has done for us. That we are loved unconditionally because of Jesus' sacrifice for us. That we are people who are forgiven and who can extend forgiveness to others because of what Jesus has done for us. It's an opportunity for us to pause and to let the peace of Jesus really come home to us. That as we take the bread and as we take the juice, to be able to slow down and allow the peace that comes from the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for us to really take root in our lives, to allow the message of Jesus to fill out more and more of us. It's an opportunity for us to be thankful and grateful for all that's been done for us, but also an opportunity to remember that we are Jesus' representatives and that this allows us to be able to move forward together. So I want to encourage you, take some time, take the bread, take the juice as you're ready, and take the opportunity to be able to reflect and to remember, and then we'll come back together and pray and wrap things up. Thank mm-hmm. you. Let's take a moment to wrap things up with a time of praying together. God, we're so grateful for who you are. And we're so grateful for who you say we are. For these truths that you have called us chosen. You've called us set apart. You've called us loved. We thank you that those are the core of our identity. And we pray that you would continue to challenge us about those times when we seek our identity in other places. Help us to keep coming back to recognise that's who you say that we are and therefore that's who we can embrace from the core of who we are all the way out. We thank you for these garments that we've talked about today and we pray that you would help us to be able to put those things on, not because we're trying to impress you, not because we're trying to impress other people, but simply as expressions of that identity that you've given to us. And we thank you that all of these things are true because of Jesus. We thank you for his work in our lives. We thank you for the amazing gift that you've given to us through his life, his teaching, his death and his resurrection. And we pray that as we continue to move forward, you would help us to understand more and more about what it means to be his representatives in all of the different places that we go week in and week out. So thanks that you've been with us today. Thanks that you go ahead of us into what's uh, coming up this week and in the weeks ahead and as we get ready to meet back together in person, we pray that you'll build a sense of expectation about the journey you've got us on and where you're taking us as a church family. In your name we pray. Amen.